When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. We haven't done as many recently because it hasn't been as newsy of a stretch for the Eagles after that initial wave of free agency. But the NFL draft is coming up. There's still a lot of rumors to discuss. There's some news today. But generally, Mike, how are you doing as we're entering day 1000 of the quarantine? Well, <laughs> well, you know, I'm I, I'm running daddy daycare at the house. <laughs> along with, you know, doing the, the full-time beat coverage, which has been a very interesting experience. Uh, my kid really doesn't like when I sit at the table and that's where I would do my work. So. Oh, like he doesn't like, he doesn't like when you're sitting at the table doing work you're saying? Just in general. He doesn't like, oh, okay. there's a lot of whining. He just recently started <laughs> walking like, and he's oh, got wow. a lot of confidence as a walker. So, uh, He's been walking around, but he's also been like running into things and like he's <laughs> just tall. like his dad. Yeah, true. He's tall, <laughs> so he's like continuing the the K tradition of banging his head on things, which is very. Uh, it hasn't been. He's definitely he's definitely taken after his dad. That's for sure. Yeah, it hasn't been great. So uh, that's been a little rough, and it's kind of hard to. I uh, did a story on um, how the coronavirus is impacting you know, the training for the draft, the communication of the draft, and my kid was just screaming throughout, like, half of them. Luckily, people... He's, try, he's trying to distract you, so, you know, so you're ready for all situations. It's good well, training, I think. Well, it's weird, because I think he's so used to me talking out loud so frequently from, like, proofreading or doing whatever, that he's just kind of like... He thinks we're having a conversation, and so when he's when I'm on speaker with, like, a position coach, he's like... You know, it's been uh, it's been interesting. How about you? How are you hanging in there? I'm doing all right. Uh, I've let my I've let my beard just grow because it's not like I have to see anybody ever. So it's just it's getting pretty large. You haven't seen you haven't seen me in a long time, actually. If you probably since the combine, I guess, right? So you got a Mike Tanier beard? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, I mean, I've still like you know, you still got to put the the stuff in it, like the the conditioner and the beard oil and all that stuff but i haven't trimmed it at all so it's really messy and i kind of look like uh, tom hanks and uh, castaway right now but you know I, I i mean it's not this isn't easy but i will say that we you know we'd be working from home right now anyway um we're more fortunate than a lot of people especially in our business i mean it's not ideal i haven't really seen my family in a few weeks at this point because i live alone so that part's not that fun but you know I'm, we're we're keep trying to keep busy and you know the nfl offseason has given us something to distract not just us, but all of our readers and listeners with. Um, once the NFL draft comes and goes, then maybe we start panicking about wh- whether the season's going to happen. But because um, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm sure s- since this podcast, everybody saw all the stuff about Donald Trump talking to all the commissioners and him acting like the season should start on time. I don't, I don't think that's actually based in anything necessarily. And I'm, I'm still skeptical about that, though. Knowing the NFL, I think they're going to do everything in their power to make it so the season starts, even if there's not fans in the stands. Where, where do you stand on the idea of this season starting on time? Uh, you know, I think 
I think there's a very, very good chance that we get empty stadium games. Now, yeah. instead, I could, I don't see what the harm is in maybe pushing it back a month and doing the full season where you can, yeah. you know, uh, that's just where I stand. Like maybe start it around when the NBA starts or a little, or a, a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know. I mean, I. Yeah, I think I saw Peter King say that the the guy that does the schedule. I forget the guy's name. He's they think they're going to do contingencies for if it's a fourteen game season and if it's a twelve game season also. And I think the one of the main things I saw in there was that they'd probably do a road and a home game as the first two games. So if they need to delay it a little bit, you can just eliminate those two games and they're non division. I imagine too. So I think that's something to keep an eye on because the, the schedule is still going to be announced in early May. Which I, I know there are some people that are like are up in arms about that. I I don't really get the that part of it because there's no harm in just saying a schedule. Like they don't, they can change it at any time. It's just an announcement of this is what we're planning to do in the fall. Like that, and I didn't understand the backlash to that part of it. Well, I mean, maybe from a from a, a preparation op, standpoint, op, yeah. or like if you're a, a fan of say the Browns. Or, and they travel to some place early on, and then that game gets canceled in week one. Maybe you don't take that trip. You know, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody should be planning a trip for the first week anyway. Yeah, right, right. No, I, I just uh, see. I think the solution is to cut the preseason down by two weeks this year, no matter what. Move yeah. back the season a month, and then you have two preseason games where maybe your starters play a series in each game, and then you have the scrubs play, you know, after that. And then, you know, you go from there. I, I think the worst thing that can happen is starting this without fans in the stadium. Because honestly, from a TV perspective, it's no secret I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Um, and I've been watching a lot of wrestling without fans in the stands, and it has been just inconceivably boring. They put on <laughs> WrestleMania uh, uh, the last two days, and while some of the stuff was really fun and in- interesting, it would have been so much better with a, a live crowd. And as somebody who is in live stadiums all the time and is just accustomed to that, it's it's a lot more interesting now. Would it make our jobs a lot easier to cover games from home? Absolutely. I probably wouldn't be up till 7 in the morning after every uh, night game. But... I mean, I just think from a fan base perspective and from a, a, a league optics perspective, I think being prudent in, in the waiting period is smart. But what I wonder is, what, what I wonder is like how much training camp teams like need, like what's the, how many weeks of training camp do they need to have for the, for before the season starts, even if that means they eliminate the preseason, like, I, cause I, they can't just start the season without training camp. And I know like college football was like, they need, they need like the campuses open for like a month before they can even like consider starting a college football. That's different because it's students and you need the students to be on campus. Like if students can't be on campus, they're not going to have a college football season. Um, but I'm, I'm curious like what the number is for training camp. Like how many days of practice do they need before they can start? I'd imagine, I think it's, I think it's normally like 28 days of training camp. So they need a, roughly a month, give or take because of yeah. like breaks and stuff. You know, I, I've talked to scouts i've talked to people in the league the real thing that's going to be impacted for the nfl is next year's draft like yeah there there might not be a college football season oh that's a good point scouts aren't on the road right now and typically scouts work start working they're they're planning for next year already yeah i mean they've done the majority of their work for this year's draft so 
this is going to be like uncharted territory, not just for this off season, but next off season of all the leagues that could survive this, the NFL is clearly leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. I think the NHL is going to suffer mightily from this. I think MLB is going to suffer mightily from this. I think the NBA, given the benefit of starting around Halloween every year is going to, is going to be fine, but I don't know what's going to happen as far as the draft this year, uh, the NBA draft. I mean, you're obviously the NBA head of the two of us, but I mean, look, this, there are much worse things happening in the world than missing out on games and missing out on distractions, but this is going to reverberate for the next 12 to 18 months in all sports leagues. So I'm interested to see how it all plays out. I mean, even just like the draft part of it, if you think like the NBA, the majority of the top prospects are usually guys that are one and done. And if there's no, if there's either a college basketball season at all, or if it's like severely delayed, like will those guys even like, go to college like i don't that's gonna be that's another topic i guess but i mean and that's something you know i did a story on that kenny robinson from the xfl uh he got dismissed from west virginia as a sophomore and instead of going to an naia school he basically just decided to go to the xfl got paid and a lot of scouts have said that he's got an advantage that a lot of other teams a lot of other prospects don't because he's been in a professional environment he's worked with nfl coaches because all those guys in the xfl have worked in the nfl uh, and it's going to help him. And I'm wondering if a lot of guys decide, you know what, instead of just sitting out this year, do we go to the XFL in the spring? Because it's going to start on time probably in the spring if the NFL is is up and running. And I think that's going to be an advantage for the XFL. It's going to bring a lot of eyes to it. And it's also probably going to help a lot of kids that uh, would otherwise have to sit the year out. Yeah, I mean, and another thing you think about is if there's not a college football season, like what does that mean? for all those prospects. So is Trevor Lawrence eligible to leave or does, are they going to force him to play another year away from the NFL? Like it, it no, there's all these eligible. things. He'd be eligible yeah. because it's three years after high school. I mean, the, but then you're also removing a year for guys who could approve themselves in their third year or yeah, fourth that, year or whatever. Also. Yeah. Trevor um, Lawrence so, isn't going to be affected. By and so, everything yeah, else. yeah. And, uh, and so I wonder, yeah, that's going to be, okay, well let's get, let's get into specific Eagle stuff now. Um, so news wise, uh, today, actually, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame released an all-decade team. And the Eagles are pretty well-represented. I imagine they were one of the most represented teams in the league. Um, I'll go through who made it. Defensive tackle, Fletcher Cox. Left tackle, Jason Peters. Running back, LaShawn McCoy. And Darren Sproles made it as a gadget and a returner. Um, I mean, all of those make complete sense and are not surprising in any way. Uh, it is cool that Darren Sproles got that much love in there, I would say. Um I think there's there's some people who are like up in arms that Jason Kelsey didn't make it. I, I get that, but I I don't think it necessarily that's as like as ludicrous as people are making it out to be. I don't. Was there anybody else you thought that should have been considered? I mean, J- Jason Kelsey was my biggest one. Uh, yeah. Jason Peters wasn't unanimous, and I think that's absolutely crazy. Uh, yeah. He and Joe Thomas were clearly the best two tackles of their generation. It's I don't know if it's even close. Uh, only Thomas got the unanimous vote. Uh, Kelsey to me, here's why, here's my argument for Kelsey. So Calais Campbell had never had more than 10 sacks in a season before three years ago. Uh, he'd never been a first team all pro and suddenly he's an all decade performer. Like if you're going to allow Calais Campbell to get in for the last three to five years, I don't think any center is even on the same stratosphere as Jason Kelsey, uh, over the last five years. So 
or, or the last four years, excuse me. So like, that's what I'm kind of perplexed by, but um, you know, I mean, all this is novelty stuff. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, what, for what I will say is this will help LaShawn McCoy get in the hall of fame. If he is on, on the cusp, uh, I think this helps Darren Sproles get in the hall of fame. Jason Peters is going to get in the hall of fame, regardless of whether he was unanimous or not uh, unanimousness. Uh, Fletcher, Cox, Fletcher Cox is the guy who's really interesting because I think if he ma- if he makes the All Pro team this year, I think he's got an outside shot at the Hall of Fame. But yeah, he, said, he's, he's, he needs a few more like really good sack seasons, I think. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because he's a defensive tackle and he's a better run than Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald obviously is probably the best interior. What's up numbers? Ever, yeah, ever so. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I think Fletcher Cox has had a better career than Indomitian Sue, if, I, if I'm, like, really thinking about it, especially from a team success, a, a defensive line success, what he's able to do in both aspects. Like, I think Indomitian Sue is a better player, probably, or, or has is more naturally talented. But Fletcher Cox, to me, outside of Aaron Donald, is the, is the second-best defensive tackle the last 10 years. And in yeah, so uh, and he's only played eight of those the last ten years, so you know that says something. But um, I yeah. should say I, for, I forgot to mention one important Eagles player actually that also got in Frank Gore. Oh yeah, got it, <laughs> man! Legendary I, Eagles running back Frank Gore. Somebody said to me, somebody made that joke on Twitter. And I'm like, you guys, <laughs> this joke never gets old for you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's not. That's a Twitter joke forever. Yeah, I just to me like they're, they're they're like they're like older people in Philadelphia who don't have Twitter who don't know that that's a thing. Yeah, it's weird. But they're listening <laughs> to this podcast, so now they do. Hey, oh yeah, they all are listening. Um, yeah, all of them. Was, was there anyone obvious non Eagles wise that you thought was a big snub? I I can't I didn't see anyone flipping out about anybody I'll, else really. I'll be honest, I didn't study the list outside. Yeah, of yeah, people. yeah, me either. I mean the li- I mean I think the list looks pretty legit. I mean I guess you could. I don't think Zach Ertz should have got in over Kelsey. I I mean I maybe. Ertz has one more. I oh, know he hasn't really because Kelsey won the Super Bowl. Because so I think Kelsey has the better numbers by a long shot. Yeah, um, I mean he's he's definitely a more yards after the catch guy. But I will say Ertz has led the Eagles in receiving in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns over the last four years. He's the only tight end yeah. in the league that's done that. So. Yeah, I mean that's significant. He, I mean he'd be in the top three or four if they if they win another person or two. I do think it's ridiculous that they don't have a fullback in there. And also, you know, Lane Johnson. Yeah, you're a big fullback guy. Well, no, I mean, it's a position. (laughs) I know, I know. Hey, let's leave punter off of there. You know what I mean? It's like, to me, I just think that's silly. No no long snapper either. Well, especially when you have a position called, like, flex, which is basically a gadget position that Darren Sproles got. Like, it, it seemed like an unnecessary honor to give somebody two honors in that and not have a fullback. That seems kind of ridiculous to me, but... Uh, I'll get off the hill that I'm standing on. <laughs> You're on the fullback hill. You and like, uh, <laughs> and like uh, Kyle Shanahan. That's about it. Hey, you know what? Good company. <laughs> that's the first time you've ever been grouped together with him, actually. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right. Um, another topic that's kind of just been lingering over the last couple of weeks because the guy keeps making it that way. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has been posting Eagles pictures to his Instagram story just about every day, to my knowledge. I don't look every day. That's There are other people who are better Twitter sleuths about that, or Instagram sleuths about that. Um, it's, I, don't, I don't know how to describe his decision to do that. It seems like he's trolling a little bit. But he beyond that, he has tweeted repeatedly how he just 
really doesn't like Jacksonville and how he wants to leave. Um, whether it happens now or a few months from now or at the trade deadline, it seems inevitable that he eventually leaves the Jaguars. But what, what, what's your feeling on the Eagles as a potential destination for that? I know, I know Shil Kapadia from The Athletic proposed a bunch of trades uh, in an article, and he had the Giants trading for him. I, I don't know if the Giants are going to give up that much draft capital right now, though. Yeah, uh, so I checked in on this a little bit. Um, from what I'm told, they have not had formal trade talks yet because nobody's reaching the Jaguars' initial asking price, which, from what I understand, uh, is more than a 2020 first-round pick. And also remember the Eagles. I mean, sorry, the Jaguars already have two first-round picks, so it's not like they're they have to be in a rush to gain that first-round pick either. Uh, to me, look, that's a. I, 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 everybody knows I covered them. That's a patient organization. You can see it in them keeping Doug Marone and, and Dave Codwell. They wait things out. Shad Khan is very, very patient. And the patience paid off with Jalen Ramsey. They got two Absolutely. ones. Uh, uh, maybe the most ridiculous trade, I think, of the last couple of years outside of the DeAndre Hopkins, David Johnson trade um, is the fact, like, look, Jalen was worth two ones, but you didn't extend him. And now you're in this spot where you have basically a gun to your head. Um, the, the Rams are so screwed. Beyond, not, not, that's not the only reason, but that trade does not help it. Yeah, and they have no, they have like no draft picks for the next like three years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, but, and uh, they got money. rid of half their roster. They have yeah. no money. They um, cut Todd, they cut Todd Gurley. Yeah. Like, like I know that it's their fault they overpaid him, but the fact that he didn't even get to the extension part of his contract is just mind blowing. So, uh, anyway, anyway, you asked yeah. my, you asked my feel, um, yeah. here's why the Eagles probably will not trade for him. One, they only have eight draft picks. They want to keep their draft, their draft picks. They want more actually. Uh, and then you can turn to me and say, well, he's 25. So he fits the youth movement. Yeah, that's true. Look, he's a phenomenal talent. He thinks he's elite. I, I, I think he's just a cusp under that. I think the word elite gets thrown around a lot for a guy who's only had one 10 plus sack season. Um, that said, he is very consistent. He's had at least eight sacks in each of his four seasons. He's 25. Like I said, he's got a real good knack for forcing fumbles. Uh, I would argue he was the second best player at worst on that uh, 2017 Jaguars team that went to the AFC championship game. That said, I do question the maturity uh, of constantly handling this on social media. I think he's personally, I think he's killing his market uh, by constantly throwing this out there that he wants out and, and pouting and doing all this other stuff. Um, and I know Jan, I think he's a great guy. One of my favorite players I covered in Jacksonville, but I think from an optic standpoint, if you're a GM and you know, he wants $20 million, if he's gonna, if you're going to have to put up with the Stefan Diggs treatment from him, I don't know if that's the smartest move to make and invest in. So speaking on that, that the outlook that you have to understand that, that people have to remember is that you're trading premium picks to pay Yannick Ngakwe. You're not just acquiring his contract. You are going yep. to have to pay him market setting money. And that's the issue. So you're not asking is Yannick Ngakwe worth, worth the first round pick. You're asking is Yannick Ngakwe's contract demands and Yannick Ngakwe worth worth a first round pick and then some something else. And, and well and then well I met to jump on that. I, I imagine his contract will average twenty mil a year based on what edge rushers get. Maybe even more. And yeah. I mean depending is, on when he signs it, yeah. And the thing is, according to over the cap, the Eagles are projected to be twenty five million dollars over the cap <laughs> next year. 
So you can Yikes. turn and you can say, yeah, but they're going to get rid of Deshaun Jackson and they're going to get rid of Malik Jackson and they probably will cut Alshon Jeffrey and then they'll do this and then they'll do that. And that's that still won't cover it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what will cover it is them moving the cap over, excuse me, the cap over that they have right now that they've been very protective of. So that way it gives them more wiggle room. So once they cut all those big contracts, then they actually have, you know, 20 to 30 million in cap space. That said, if you sign Yannick Ngakwe right now, you're probably down to like six or seven million dollars that you can roll over. That's not as helpful because on top of that, you're probably going to have now be 40 million over the cap. So you're, you're killing yourself in both ways. You're making this a very difficult transition for you. So not only are you trading a first round pick and then maybe other assets, you're putting yourself in cap help, probably Ram style for the next couple of years, whether you cut a bunch of guys or not. You're also maybe going to have to decide whether you want Yannick Ngakwe or Fletcher Cox in a year or two. So to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense as much as they, they value the edge rushing and, and need that on top of that. Yannick Ngakwe is not that great of a run defender. He can play the run. I think I don't want to dismiss him as a run defender, but Jim Schwartz is very run focused and you first have to be able to stop the run in his defense. Like that's why he likes Brandon Grant. That's why he likes Derek Barnett. So you're adding those elements and all this stuff just doesn't add up to interest. And from what I understand, they haven't made a formal offer. So I don't know when that time will come. Maybe if after the draft his price tag and the Jaguars price tags drop, then it's a smart move. Or maybe you draft in the first round. Let's say Jerry Judy falls to the first, to 21. You, you're able to get him. And so suddenly you feel really good about your wide receiver group. And then day two, you have a whole day to figure out, hey, maybe we can make this work where we trade our second round pick and then next year's second round pick and a third round pick. You know, something like that. Maybe that's, Maybe that's what you're telling yourself if you're Howie Roseman. But to me, I, I just I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles. No. I think Eagles fans need to take a step back and accept that Howie Roseman just is not going to trade a first-round pick for a player. Like, that's just not what he's going to do. Yeah, it just, I mean, look, if you were to trade a first-round pick for Yannick Ngakwe and he was in the third year of his deal, sure, because then you have yeah. some leverage. But if you're Yeah, exactly. He has all the leverage if you do it this way. Right, because you're trading a premium asset or multiple, and it just to me, I, I don't, I don't see how any of this fits into philosophy, other than the fact that he's 25 and good at his position. You know what I mean? Like from a from a cap standpoint and from a draft standpoint, I don't really think this makes any sense whatsoever. Um, I don't even know if I'd be comfortable trading a second round pick for him because that contract is going to cause a lot of issues. You might have to decide between having Yannick Ngakwe on one side. And then having Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jack, like you might have to like throw out like the, you know, everything to have Yannick Ngakwe on this team moving forward, especially when the con with the contract they just gave Darius Slay and the contract that they just gave Javon Hargrave. I mean, yeah. it, it, well, I, I, and honestly, like I know it's not an apples to apples comparison necessarily, but Jadavian Clowney is still sitting on the free agency market, and you don't have to give up a draft pick for him. So if they were that desperate to upgrade their defensive end group, just pay $18 million to, to Jadavian Clowney for one year or something. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, if, I wouldn't do that necessarily. I'm just saying like, if that's the idea everybody has, like you don't need to give up draft picks to go and get that guy. 
you don't. And, you know, I, I don't think that's what they're going to end up doing, like you said. But to me, it, this is just one of those things where the fan base is really excited about this. But to me, I just don't really understand the logic of do, making this move. It's To me, it's not a very it's not a i mean it's not a howie move it's just not it, like howie is very calculated you can say what you want about the golden tate trade you can say what you want about the jeffrey trade the jeffrey re-signing but those at least have some basis of reality of what he was trying to do um because if, Je- if jeffrey plays really well last year nobody's frowning about a, a fully guaranteed contract here you know what's at stake you know what's going to happen even if and Gakwe gets 15 sacks next year, you're still getting probably saying goodbye to like two thirds of your defensive line depth. So like, that's the reality of the situation in my opinion. Yeah. I think that, I think that all makes sense. Um, all right. I think we can move on from the Yannick uh, talk. Um, you mentioned the idea of like Jerry Judy falling to them, which I don't think either of us think would actually happen, but I mean, crazier things have happened. And I, and I honestly think people are overlooking the, the prospect of, one or two of these receivers falling further than expected because I think um, teams are kind of going into this draft knowing that it's a deep wide receiver class and maybe you don't need to pick a guy super early at the position, especially with like the offense. There's those four offensive tackles I think are going to go pretty early. And then you have the the, the obvious like elite prospects. So I, it's going to be very interesting to see how that works. But do you see like what, what do you think needs to happen for the Eagles to seriously consider trading up? And what do you think needs to happen for them to consider trading back? And what do you think needs to happen for them to stay at 21? So as far as trading up, I think it's going to have to be like an Andre Dillard situation where like maybe he falls to, maybe, you know, Ruggs or Judy falls to 18. Yeah. And then they trade, you know, a fourth round pick and maybe next year's fourth or next year's third. Uh, I think they'd be open to that. I just, Trading a second round pick to get up to 12 or 13 just does not make a lot of sense based on their outlook this year. Uh, they have a lot of needs. A, a lot of focus has been on wide receiver, but they still it, it objectively have holes at safety and corner. Um, they need a, a starting linebacker. They need defensive end and offensive line depth. Like there's a lot to handle here. And, you know, Howie Rosen's brought it up several times this offseason. They've only had 10 draft picks over the past two offseasons. So their success has been measured by really a small grouping of players. And a lot of those players haven't worked out, you know. Um, so they want to expand the value and talent of their halls. And I, I think they're more likely to trade back. Now, here's what needs to happen if, if for them to trade back. I think all of the edge top three edge rushers in the class have to be off the board. I think all three of the major corners have to be off the board. And I think all three of the major wide receivers have to be off the board. I think that will happen. I think, I think, you know, Fulton and CJ Henderson and Okuda will be off the board. I think Judy lamb and and rugs will be off the board. I think uh, Caleb on chase on chase young. They'll both be off the board. Um, and so you look at it, you look at Tennessee at 29, you look at, uh, the Ravens at 28, even if you look at the saints, a couple of picks later, the wide receiver group to me is very close, depending on your preference. Once you get past the top three, so you're looking at Baylor's Denzel Mims, you're looking at, uh, LSU's J- Justin Jefferson, you're looking at TCU's Jalen Rager, 
And I think they can trade back and land one of those three guys in the late 20s and pick up either a third round pick or, you know, a fourth and a fifth or maybe even a second, depending on if they're willing to swap a fourth in that deal as well. So, yeah, I think, look, if like Jordan Love is still around there, I, he's a guy that I think would be someone that a team would trade a little more to go and get if they were like, even if it's the Patriots moving up two spots or something like that. Well, and that's the thing. So the Patriots are at 23. If you're a team like the Colts who really needs a quarterback of the future or even the Titans who have or green Bay. Yeah. I mean, any of those three teams who have starters in place, but long-term the projection is that you're going to probably need a quarterback of the future. Maybe you trade up. You know, I don't see the Eagles trading back into the second round, so I think the Colts could probably be ruled out. But yeah, it's it's a little different than when they were in number thirty-two a couple of years ago. Right, but if you're the Packers and you really like Jordan Love, um, you know, I could see the Eagles being willing to trade back later into the first, and you know, see what's what. I mean, look, them getting a second-round pick for trading back eight spots would be phenomenal for them because that way, you know, maybe they draft a safety there. And then you draft two wide receivers back to back in the second round. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot more sense than trading up. I think trading up in a draft, as much as people have said, you know, don't Danelle Pumphrey this. Uh, <laughs> I think this class is good enough to where the first nine guys are going to all be able to nine to probably 11 guys will be able to start right away. I mean, especially on this team. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh- but I, I mean, what, one thing I'm because they're going to pick a receiver early, whether that's the first one in the first round or the first and the second. I, I'm curious if they double up in the first three rounds or not, because that's that'd be an interesting move. I do think they'll go uh, wide receiver in. I think they'll double dip in the first four rounds for sure. It will be interesting to see if they kind of double dip it, it in the first and second round, kind of like they did at corner with Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown. I think that could be really interesting. Yeah. Um. Do you do you think they would consider an edge rusher there? Like I, you mentioned, uh, uh, Chai San and Chase Young obviously being gone, but what if they're like really, if they really like Yeter Gross Matos or something? Because he's a, he's a great athlete and the kind of like developmental guy they could really do wonders with. Yeah, he's interesting to me. Um, you know, I could see them doing it. Uh, it would go with their philosophies. But if you're doing that, you're definitely turning down the fifth year contract option for Derek Barnett and. I've been told both publicly and privately that the Eagles really like their defensive end group more than anyone else. Yeah. That said, they also like their wide receiver group more than anybody else. They like their (laughs) linebacker group more than anybody else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I wouldn't rule out, you know, I I mean, Matos would be a very interesting pick, I think, from a standpoint of, okay, do you feel like he can rush from the weak side? Do you think that he is a guy that could eventually take over for not only Barnett, but for Brandon Graham and be that top edge rusher? Uh, I think that's more of the question. I, I haven't gotten the sense that a lot of teams think he's a fully developed player, but if you're taking a developmental first-round pick, they've been favorable to Penn State uh, as of late. So maybe maybe it's just they were waiting on their chance to get him and, and they've kind of tricked everybody and kept their plans under wraps thinking that they're going to draft a wide receiver. I mean, I look, I think if they get to the second round, they could draft somebody like Brandon Ayuk from ASU. And that would be the speed demon that everybody likes. Or, I'm not as big on Hamler as everybody else, but uh, Hamler would probably be available at 53 as well. 
I mean, there's been some really good receivers that have been picked in the second round, even just the last few years. Like it, you can, especially in a class like this, I, I don't think it's outlandish that if there's a guy on the board at 21 or if they trade back that they just like value really highly and he doesn't play a receiver. Like it would not shock me at all. Even if it's them drafting, a, like if they trade back and Cesar Ruiz is there and they're obsessed with him as a potential Jason Kelsey replacement in a year, like that, these are the type of moves the Eagles have always made. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I drafting a center in the first round would not be a thing to excite the fan base, but like, I don't know if they grade that guy as an All Pro guy for for ten years, like that's the kind of guy they would draft. Yeah, I uh, I recently had a seven round mock draft and I had them selecting Matt Hennessy from Temple in the yeah. second round, and I, I got a lot of positive and negative feedback about that. I think it'd be a very polarizing topic, but um, most of the guys that are going to be selected early on this draft that, that play center can also play both guard spots. And yeah, the yeah Cushion Barry too from LSU. I, I think the dynamic of challenging Isaac Sayamalu, who's yeah. on a lower end starting contract, and then also having an heir apparent to Jason Kelsey is really important. And with that said, too, you know, they don't have a lot of experience at offensive tackle. We talked about it the last podcast. Like, you know, if Matt Pryor's your swing tackle, he's never really started a game at either tackle spot. He hasn't really played much at either tackle spot. And in an important game, Jordan Maylott has never played an actual game of football in his, I mean, like a meaningful game of football in his entire life. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took a guy like Sadiq Charles in the second round from LSU or something like that. Um, I had them waiting until the, the seventh round to take an offensive tackle, but you need a guy who actually understands the left tackle position, who has experience at the college level for at least, and can play that position maybe sooner than Melata to challenge him. So look, they've got some issues at offensive line and defensive line that I think need to be addressed in this draft. Um, and they set themselves up to where they can handle both of those needs. Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Um was there anything else uh, draft-wise you wanted to cover before we head out? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Justin Jefferson really quick because there's this narrative that he is only a slot wide receiver. So a couple of things there. Um, I actually think he projects very well to the Z spot, the spot that Deshaun Jackson plays. This is probably going to be Deshaun Jackson's last year in Philadelphia. And even if it's not, he's coming off a three-game season and a, a, an injury that sidelined him for a pretty long time. He'll, he should be fine. The core muscle surgery is something the guys recover from pretty well. Uh, but, you know, he is 33 years old. They need to prepare for life without him. And, you know, they, they might keep Alshon Jeffrey at this point, but at the X position, but they drafted JJ or single white side who they somewhat, I mean, who they've made clear that they still believe in. And he's supposedly their X of the future. Uh, so you need, a Z and an X for the future. And that's why I think Justin Jefferson on the outside and in 12 personnel, when you have two tight ends on the field, when you have Goddard and Ertz on the field makes sense, you know, uh, not to get two X's and O's, but when you're in 11 personnel with just one tight end, you can move uh, Jefferson into the slot, similar to Keenan Allen. The slot is a big role. I think a lot of people view the slot as like the third wide receiver because in Madden, the third wide receiver always plays the slot. But guys like Keenan Allen, guys like Chris Godwin, uh, you know, guys like Devontae Adams, they put up massive numbers and they are very important to an offense. I've seen a lot of people say that Jefferson isn't a scheme fit, but that doesn't make any sense because Carson Wentz targets the middle of the field with Zach Ertz like all the time. And I think Jefferson wouldn't be redundant to, to Ertz. I actually think he'd free up Ertz to have mismatches on the outside. Ertz sometimes likes to 
go up against cornerbacks because there's a size difference. I, I think that Jefferson makes a ton of sense for the Eagles. I'd understand if they went Denzel Mims or if they traded back, but I do think Jefferson is a much better fit than I, I, I've seen people talk about on Twitter. He's more than an, a slot wide receiver, in my opinion, and I think he can get the job done on the outside as that flanker wide receiver that, that Deshaun Jackson is. He's not the speed threat that Deshaun is, but he can definitely get open. He's very good about creating space. He's got really trusty hands. The problem last year was not just speed. It was getting separation and catching the ball. And those are two things that he does extremely well. So I think he would make a lot of sense for the Eagles. I've been asked a lot about Jefferson, and I just kind of wanted to go on a rant there. Yeah, I he feels like the every year there's like a guy or two that's like the consensus. Either I hope the Eagles get him or it seems like they're going to get him. And it's he's been the most popular projection, I think, from just from looking at mock drafts and, and what people are talking about. Yeah, for sure. And and for good reason. I think he's a guy that definitely makes their offense better. I think something to consider is, you know, this could be the last year for Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Yes, Greg Ward played well in the slot, but you don't really know what he is after six games. That's just not a thing. So you could realistically be looking for a new X wide receiver, a new Z wide receiver for the future, and then a new slot receiver. And Jefferson handles two of those positions pretty well. Uh, another guy I like, ironically, is Vaughn Jefferson, who I think would be a really good challenge for J.J. or single white side. At the X position, I actually think he'd beat him out. He's probably one of the best route runners in this class. He's the son of uh, the Jets wide receivers coach, who is also a former NFL wide receiver. Very smart kid, uh, a lot quicker than, than he looks on film. Um, just a smart guy. And so I think uh, – I think the Eagles are in a spot where they could really upgrade the wide receiver position with, with a double dip in the draft and the Jefferson brothers, or as I call them, the moving on up crew would, would fit in well <laughs> in, in Philadelphia. I like it. Um, all right. I think we can wrap up on that note. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope everybody's staying safe out there. Uh, keep writing us reviews, sending my text messages on Eagles extra sign up. If you haven't two weeks um, free, two weeks free. Uh, leave us some comments on YouTube and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. 